You were on your way home when you died. It was a car accident. Nothing remarkable, but fatal nonetheless. You left behind a wife and two children. It was a painless death. The EMTs tried their best to save you, but to no avail. Your body was so utterly shattered that you were better off. Trust me. And that's when you met me. What? What happened? You asked. Where am I? You died, I said matter-of-factly. No point in mincing words. There, there was a, a truck, and it was skidding. Yup, I said. I, I died? Yup, but don't feel bad about it. Everyone dies, I said. You looked around. There was nothingness. Just you and me. What is this place? You asked. Is this the afterlife? More or less, I said. Are you God? You asked. Yup, I replied. I'm God. My kids. My wife, you said. What about them? Will they be alright? That's what I like to see, I said. You just died and your main concern is for your family. That's good stuff right there. You looked at me with fascination. To you, I didn't look like God. I just looked like some man. Or possibly a woman. Some vague authority figure, maybe. More of a grammar school teacher than the Almighty. Don't worry, I said. They'll be fine. Your kids will remember you as perfect in every way. They didn't have time to grow contempt for you. Your wife will cry on the outside, but will be secretly relieved. To be fair, your marriage was falling apart. If it's any consolation, she'll feel very guilty for feeling relieved. Oh, you said. So what happens now? Do I go to heaven or hell or something? Neither, I said. You'll be reincarnated. Ah, you said. So the Hindus were right. All religions are right in their own way, I said. Walk with me. You followed along as we strode through the void. Where are we going? Nowhere in particular, I said. It's just nice to walk while we talk. So what's the point then? You asked. When I get reborn, I'll just be a blank slate, right? A baby. So all my experiences and everything I did in this life won't matter. Not so, I said. You have within you all the knowledge and experiences of all your past lives. You just don't remember them right now. I stopped walking and took you by the shoulders. Your soul is more magnificent, beautiful, and gigantic than you could possibly imagine. A human mind can only contain a tiny fraction of what you are. It's like sticking your finger in a glass of water to see if it's hot or cold. You put a tiny part of yourself into the vessel, and when you bring it back out, you've gained all the experiences it had. You've been a human for the last 48 years, so you haven't stretched out yet and felt the rest of your immense consciousness. If we hung out here for long enough, you'd start remembering everything, but there's no point in doing that between each life. How many times have I been reincarnated then? Oh, lots. Lots and lots. And into lots of different lives, I said. This time around, 
you'll be a Chinese peasant girl in 540 AD. Wait, what? You stammered. You're sending me back in time? Well, I guess technically. Time as you know only exists in your universe. Things are different where I come from. Where do you come from? You said. Oh sure, I explained. I come from somewhere. Somewhere else. And there are others like me. I know you'll want to know what it's like there. But honestly, you wouldn't understand. Oh, you said, a little let down. But wait, if I get reincarnated to other places in time, I could have interacted with myself at some point. Sure, happens all the time, and with both lives only aware of their own lifespan, you don't even know what's happening. So what's the point of it all? Seriously? You're asking me for the meaning of life? Isn't that a little... Stereotypical? Well, it's a reasonable question, you persisted. I looked you in the eye. The meaning of life, the reason I made this whole universe, is for you to mature. You mean mankind? You want us to mature? No, just you. I made this whole universe for you. With each new life, you grow and mature and become a larger and greater intellect. Just me? What about everyone else? There is no one else, I said. In this universe, there's just you and me. You stared blankly at me. But all the people on Earth are you. All you. Different incarnations of you. Wait, I'm everyone? Now you're getting it. I said with a congratulatory slap on the back, I'm every human being who has ever lived, or who will ever live. Yes, I'm Abraham Lincoln, and you're John Wilkes Booth too, I added. I'm Hitler, you said appalled, and you're the millions he killed. I'm Jesus, and you're everyone who followed him. You fell silent. Every time you victimize someone, I said, you are victimizing yourself. Every act of kindness you've done, you've done to yourself. Every happy and sad moment ever experienced by any human was or will be experienced by you. You thought for a long time. Why? You asked me. Why do all this? Because someday you will become like me because that's what you are. You're one of my kind. You're my child. You mean I'm a god? No, not yet. You're a fetus. You're still growing. Once you've lived every human life throughout all time, you will have grown enough to be born. So the whole universe, you said, it's just an egg, I answered. Now it's time for you to move on to your next life, and I sent you on your way. Alrighty, um, pretty trippy, right? Pretty interesting. I know that many of you have probably experienced some of what 
happened in this story, in this theory on psychedelic substances because I know that I personally have. My favorite part is when God tells this guy that he's going to be a Chinese peasant girl in 540 AD. Like, damn, that would suck. I don't know, maybe it would be great being a woman. Because then you can get sex all the time, but 540 AD, no Spotify, no Starbucks. Oh my God, drugs. Like, where are you going to get drugs? Is a peasant girl going to get her hands on Molly? in 540 AD China? I don't think so. What a crazy experience that would be. You know, who knows, maybe it's great. Maybe you meet the love of your life. Or maybe you, you get treated like shit as women have been for the entirety of our species. When you think about it, guys, isn't that nuts? I'm guessing in some certain groups and past civilizations, women weren't treated so horribly but that that can't be a lot right maybe i'm wrong maybe in ancient times women had more rights but i don't think so i think women have been have been pretty fucked up up and up until the 60s like after world war ii and that's when girls really can start doing more you still have this housewife mentality but it gets much better in the 70s and the 80s and then Jane Fonda really gets all the girls to go to the gym and then it's stuff really transcends especially for women especially for their rights and it, it really is interesting how they've been treated as just second-class citizens for a long time and really they've been treated like cattle and now you're starting to see this power dynamic starting to switch towards women as they have 500 guys in their pocket at any time with technology, with their DMs. You know, they can stay in touch with exes, and then you got random people hitting them up. You know, and plus so much competition. Now that puts competition on, on all of us guys, because these girls can literally get whatever they want compared to in the 70s just going to a bar, you know, and really just knocking it off with some cool dude. This chick can be hit up by a guy who's making six figures you know what i mean so and a lot of guys are freaking out you know a lot of a lot of men are just not happy and it's kind of interesting it's like dude these women have really had no rights <laughs> for how many thousands of years and now we're freaking out because they can get laid more than us well you know what it's it's all right i, I think they deserve it but anyways that would suck to be a chinese peasant girl in 540 a.d just <laughs> compared to this life at least <laughs> i really hope this isn't true because i don't want to live every life i do not want to live every life before i come god <laughs> like i want to I want to become a deity as soon as I die and just for a couple millennia just drink beer and watch movies. That's, god damn, I just, I'm really keeping my fingers crossed that that is what happens when we die. Like when we die and then it's just like, wow, back to start. And then you just walk until your your space cloud or home and then you pull up something that's better than Netflix because it's heaven. And then you can just drink some type of thing that is probably much better than beer because it is heaven and then just get lit all the time just sucking nirvana down while you watch mulan i fucking love mulan 
I'm hoping that's right, but this this sounds probably more more real of all of the theories. Um, still, still, I'm expecting something that's gonna blow all of us out of the park. Like it's kind of cool to talk about this, but really a lot that we see on DMT is unexplainable, and I believe that that's really what death is going to be, probably. And again, our minds can't even comprehend it because we're so stupid. So. I, there's a great chance that we may never come close to knowing what happens when we die but these theories are really cool and this one is a great story and it makes a lot of sense and yeah it's I'm trying to become better you know and I really have learned to treat everybody with just as much love as I treat myself because everybody is myself and even if that isn't right my life has just transcended and you kind of get that in here too before kind of reaching nirvana you have to learn you have to live every life see this existence through every person's point of view whether they be black or white or short or tall or fat or skinny racist or not and then once you get all of these perspectives, you then reach enlightenment. Um, something great that gets talked about is living previous lives. This kind of makes sense. When I get on high doses, it's like I'm peering into other existences that I've lived. I remember when I was on 25C and Boom. It's like my second episode on this channel. Really cool story. Anyways, I'm on a high dose of this RC that really lethal. But anyways, I'm tripping balls and then I live an entire lifetime in the blink of an eye. Isn't that nuts? And what really set me back is that I had a father. I was with my father on a pier on a lake. That's what I took back. And it was too much information to comprehend, to soak up entirely, but I knew, I knew to remember this sentence that I lived an entire lifetime in the blink of an eye. And bam, I can't, it was just fucking incredible. And I knew that it was a different life because I had a father in that one. And I don't have one in this one. So that is a possibility. That really is. There's a lot of experiences pointing towards that it's just do we have control or not i took some high doses and i felt like i was in control specifically the high shroom and lsd combination that totaled out to six grams to six tabs i felt in control like i really felt like i was that person in control of all of this but again i wasn't on dmt you know, and that's what I kind of want. So maybe I'm just seeing what I'm dreaming for. As in dreams, that's what kind, of, what kind of happens. Like if I listen to these DMT experiences episodes that I put out on my podcast before I sleep, my dreams are really trippy. If I think about this one girl, if I'm texting this one girl right before I sleep, that's what I see in my dream. So that's what I think really you know kind of proves that dmt is more because my dmt experiences are nothing like my dreams but i am still very open to me feeling in control when i'm tripping is because 
that's what I want and that's because I actually am con in control it's just showing our reality and nothing really else so I'm all open to everything but this is just a spectacular theory and a story in general that really sums up a lot of psychedelic experiences into not that long of a tale and the guy says he's Jesus I felt like I was Jesus a couple of times on these high doses these very high doses of psychedelics and a lot of other people have come to this conclusion too and it's just like maybe we are maybe we did experience that life you know what I mean because that's it's just it's you, you hear that a lot and I felt that a couple times and it wasn't like I'm this special person bow down to me hell no it was just like I can't believe it I'm that guy so it's very interesting that that they went over that in here yeah they want mankind to mature um that's what I'm trying to do I'm trying to put as much goodness and laughter and love out into the world because that is just the mature thing to do I'm hating and treating people like shit hating them because of their politics their their political beliefs because of what skin color they have that's not mature it's very easy to not like somebody that is different than you it's very easy because they're different than you you know they're not part of you they're not your family they're different that's very easy that's immature and that's why you've seen in history just horrible things done because people have been dumb they've been fucking dumb people are still really dumb we're getting better but we're still really fucking dumb like you got Putin out there threatening to throw nuclear holocaust into all of our faces there's just fucking water is disappearing we're in the midst of a drought and it's like the economy is supposed to get even worse and i'm supposed to do my homework like like what the hell like we gotta get our crap together another line is You've been a human for the last 48 years, so you haven't stretched out yet and felt the rest of your immense consciousness. You can feel the rest of that immense consciousness on these psychedelics. That's precisely what I did on another dose. I, just, I don't want to keep on saying six grams, six stabs, but that's what I experienced on that and other ones too. This immense amount of information, of consciousness, and you really get connected back to everything it's like putting in the plug like you unplugged something and that's your life and then you do this drug you put the plug back into the socket and then you just get loaded up with everything that you forgot that's the real life and it's it's incredible i love how he says your soul is more magnificent beautiful and gigantic than you could possibly imagine that's if you haven't had an experience like that I highly suggest you kind of slowly up your doses of psychedelics and uh, get to the point where you do because it is it's unlike anything else and it's really going to help you like dude these substance you're having fun like you're just you're having fun you feel euphoric as hell you're having a great time um, and then it allows you to tap into the spiritual sense. It's like, what? What is this? You're actually experiencing 
what Moses did. Now forget about religion, but just having an, an experience like that. Just having an experience like what has been told to so many humans around the world that could never have even thought of having an experience like Moses did. Here you are having one that is a trillion times better and more real and more believable. <laughs> I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> never was there a time when I did not exist, nor you nor all these things, nor in the future shall any of us cease to be, as the embodied soul continuously passes in this body from childhood to youth to old age. The soul similarly passes into another body at death. A sober person is not bewildered by such a change, and worn out garments are shed by the body. Worn out bodies are shed out by the dweller within the body. New bodies are donned by the dweller, like garments. These are words from the Bhagavad Gita, one of the holy scriptures of Hinduism. In it are verses about the seemingly unending cycle of life and of reincarnation. Every version of a being acts and reacts, and their actions determine how they are going to be manifested in a next life. We commonly refer to this as karma. This continues near eternally till the soul yearns for a higher sense of being, which it can ultimately achieve once it rids itself of all desires, ego, or pleasure. The yearning for a higher being is only truly met when no such yearning exists. So, is this life, the one we are living right now, just a mere test? Other religions, such as Islam or Christianity, don't quite preach the idea of reincarnation. But when you look through the pages, they too treat this life as a test. It is the afterlife, where life achieves completion, and we get to live, truly. What you do in this life determines what the fate of your soul will be. While the concept of death is slightly different across certain religions and theologies, and that in some it happens over and over again, and in others you die once, but live twice. Nearly all religions encourage followers to think about the cascading effects of their actions at a macro scale. There are more modern ideas in this realm, of course. The simulation theory is just one of the more famous ones, where reality is potentially reduced to a high-definition video game running in some scrawny teenager's basement. It's his reality, and you and I are living in it. This is certainly not as crazy of a possibility as something from scripture. The logic that leads one to the simulation theory is ironclad. What does this all mean, then? Whether you believe in an organized religion or not, we've all wondered what happens when our eyes close for that one last time. Maybe we watch our lifeless bodies as our souls float away. Maybe we try to call upon our loved ones to let them know it's all going to be okay, but they just never listen. Maybe nothing happens at all. Maybe there is no meaning. Andy Weir's short story, supposedly written in less than an hour, does talk about an afterlife scenario. 
but that's not really the message it's trying to deliver. Maybe his point is to highlight the ability of every person to both be the worst manifestation of humanity, but also be the best of it. Andy poses this when he says that the protagonist was both Hitler and the people he killed. It's hypothetical, of course, but then again, how far are we at any given time from the worst version of ourselves? I often find myself looking at pictures of famous or infamous people, for that matter, as babies. In the backdrop of reality, these baby faces can remind us about the innocence every human is capable of. Perhaps one of the lessons from the egg theory is to remind people of the power of a situation to turn us into who we are. This is not to absolve anyone of wrongdoing or to take away from the gravity of their actions, but a chance to shed light on the fact that a lot of who we are is quite simply circumstance and that we might be better able to prevent further atrocities if we are able to foresee the circumstances that lead to them. This was, in large part, the focus of the now infamous Stanford Prison Experiments. College students were hired to play either guard or prisoner, and the behavior would be studied. In just over a day, the power imbalance had manifested into near-total tyranny where the guards would abuse the prisoners to such an extent that a lot of them had to be discharged from the experiments. This ultimately led to the termination of the study after just six days. Some say the guards behaved like this because these guards were inherently bad people. Others say it was the power imbalance that was always set for an outcome like this. I urge you to read into it yourself. But these studies do demonstrate, and quite reassuringly so, that there may be more bad circumstances than bad people in this world. The egg theory also need not only be about righteousness or evil. It can either be about looking at life through the eyes of others. Perhaps we would think of life differently if we could see ourselves through the eyes of a loved one. We often tend to be harsh on ourselves for mistakes. But if a friend were to make the same mistake, we would try and support them. Why should we treat ourselves harsher than we would treat a friend? Imagine being a parent and finally getting to understand their worries for when they said they couldn't sleep when you didn't call. Imagine how we might rethink our worldviews if we could look at things through the eyes of someone who disagrees with us. In fact, that is supposedly the origin of the story. Not some near-death experience that Andy Weir had, but rather a disagreement with his aunt. What a world would that be like? When empathy becomes more than just leaving words unsaid, and turns into a feeling, an emotion, that you don't have to interpret, but rather feel yourself. There is also a concept of being reborn and carrying over your lessons into the next life. What would you become if you could live again? If you knew then what you know now, how would you do things differently? What if you never got that chance? Who am I kidding? Luckily, we get that chance every day. As Confucius once said, every man has two lives, and the second starts when he realizes he has just one.
Well, it's four o'clock. That means it is time to go to sleep. I enjoyed reading this story. I hope that you guys enjoy listening to it. It's really interesting, um, but some of these DMT experiences that you guys listen to, I believe, are more, they're just more detailed and they're more real. And it is a great theory, but as you guys know from listening to multiple episodes, is that stuff gets way more complex and way more detailed and way more interesting and entertaining than just this theory. It's really cool because what you guys have been kind of figuring out is that these people are literally experiencing this theory. I know I have. I've experienced multiple things in this theory. A lot. And it's just, it's really incredible because who knows, maybe these theories are in fact right. Thank you for leaving the five-star reviews. It really helps this podcast grow. Thank you guys so much. And I wish you all the best. Let's finish this year out strong. And I hope that you get your hands on some really spectacular mind-altering substances.